welcome to the show, the one and only's Boss Babes. <laughs> guys, seriously welcome. Thank you. What you guys have built, like the juggernaut of a freaking company, I can't even begin, like eight figures. I mean, your Instagram is in the millions. Just you guys are on freaking fire. Now, what I want to talk about is how do you still stay on fire when you have imposter syndrome, when you don't believe in yourself, when you don't have the confidence to show up every day. So talk to me about the imposter syndrome that you guys have experienced and how you've overcome it to get to eight figures and an Instagram page and everything that you guys do that is just freaking mind-blowing. I think there's such a misconception that once you achieve a goal, your imposter syndrome goes away and your confidence is there. And what we've noticed is at every single new up level, there's a whole, whole, like whole host of issues that come up. Imposter syndrome, you're not sure if you're confident enough, you're not sure if you can do it. It just seems like this big audacious goal that you don't know if you can do. And I feel like at every single stage we get to that. And at this point, it's kind of just give yourself a reality check and do it anyway. There really is nothing that is going to set you up for success more than just being willing to do something, getting resourceful, leaving leaving excuses at the door and not waiting for anything to be perfect. Yeah, I think for me, I really struggled with this, like particularly because I started my career out on as a chiropractor. So it was a vocational degree. I learned to do that one thing and then transitioning into the online world. And I was a three, if anyone knows, on the Enneagram, an achiever. So I always wanted to do well. Um, but because I wasn't experienced in it, imposter syndrome really came up for me. And like when I decided to move into the online space, I was just like, who am I to think that I can do this? Like how, how silly of me to think that actually I can show up on social media or who wants to listen to me? All these things. But on my journey over the last few years, one thing I've realized around imposter syndrome, and that is right, it shows up now. And you know, wherever you are and that hurdle that you're crossing, it's continuously going to show up. But one thing I've realized that's really helped me is like acknowledging that it's normal. I think if you try and make out that, oh, you're fearless all the time and everything is comfortable and everything is perfect and wonderful, or hold yourself to that kind of standards. It's just impossible to meet. So for me, it's been a lot of acknowledgement. Like, yeah, that's why I talk about my, like, yeah, I've really suffered from imposter syndrome. And do you know what? Sometimes it will come out worse than others and sometimes it will die back down a little bit. But generally, you know, just like you were saying, Natalie, it's like you do it anyway. And my thing that's also helped me is one, acknowledging it and, saying to myself, oh, it's okay, I'm not being mean about it. It's like just accepting it and figuring out how I can overcome it. But also a lot of my imposter syndrome was doing the things that I actually wanted to do. And the thought of not doing them then became worse. So like the thought of not achieving the goals became worse than the imposter syndrome over yeah. achieving the goals. Does that make sense? 1000%. And that's really where I want to dig down to because I love everything you guys were saying, right? It's like hindsight has kind of taught you this is how to handle it in this moment. It's going to be the voice that's coming back. How oh, here you are again. Welcome, you know, things like that. But the, there's people right now, especially women, that find it so crippling that they can't even get started. So seven in 10 girls believe they are not good enough or do not measure up in some way. Now, when you believe that, even just acting, because I've heard you, Natalie, in past interviews say, you just have to take action. But that's the thing, right? There's a big freaking chasm between taking action but have, or having the confidence to take action. So when someone right now is listening and they feel like a fraud, imposter syndrome, whatever word you want to use, they lack the confidence. 
What was that thing that you guys did in order to get started? That first thing that ignored the voice in your head that's saying you're not good enough. What do you have to offer the world? So this is a really interesting one. And for me, I realized a lot of my imposter syndrome started way back. It started when I was way younger. And I think this is the case for a lot of people. If you're having thoughts of I'm not good enough, I don't fit in, you know, fill in the blank. Often that goes all the way back from when you were really, really young. And being able to recognize that in adulthood, when that feeling comes up, oh, it's the little girl inside of me just needing a little bit of validation. And so for me, it was actually a lot more helpful to be able to go and give myself that validation I needed and that soothing I needed versus trying to shut it off and move forward. Um, so for example, walking into a room where I might have that same feeling of like, oh my goodness, I don't belong here. Like I don't fit in or I'm X, Y, Z. It's nothing to do with how I feel now. It's that little girl in me being triggered from those earlier experiences and just being able to soothe myself in whatever way that works for you. Sometimes it's affirmation, um, but figuring out what that is, but just recognizing that feeling, it didn't start now. Mm. It started so long ago and you can rewrite the story. And I think the biggest thing as well, like just what you're sharing is the fact that we both decided to do work on it. So I think part of it really become like starts with the intention of, okay, I don't want to be in this crippling position anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I want to do something about it. And I think when you can start, I'm not saying it's easy, but it starts with ownership. You have to own how you're feeling so that you can start addressing it head on. If you just keep burying your head in your sand or blaming other people for how you're feeling, you have to take like, ownership and accountability on what's coming up for you. And then the actions that you say, whether it's that for me, I, a big thing that I learned was like, you are what you say you are. And if I was gonna tell myself that I wasn't good at something, then it was gonna be a self-fulfilling prophecy almost because I wasn't confident, I wouldn't do the things. Whereas if I tried to rewire it and that started by boss babe quotes, you know, it wasn't necessarily like, that's where a lot of the quotes come from as well as like things that are going on for Natalie and I. So it's like, how do you like leverage the tools that you have around you to support you and just recognize it's not an overnight thing. It's constant. Mm. Like we're constantly, you know, working on it. I'm not sat here going, oh yeah, like I've overcome all of these things. No, but they don't cripple me anymore. They don't yeah. stop me doing things. And that has, that gap has all been the mindset that you guys have worked on. I think so much of success is mindset. Yeah. I really, really do. Our friend Alyssa Nobriga has this phrase where she talks about some people want something so bad so they have the foot on the gas, but their subconscious is fearful of it in some way so they have their foot on the brake. And so while you think you're pushing forward, you're actually not going anywhere. And we've noticed this at so many points. You know, I remember when we made our first million, um, I was sitting at dinner with my husband, Stephen. He was like, what contributed to that? And I thought about it and 100% I knew it was my mindset. I decided that mm. I was worthy of it and I was going to achieve it. And the thing is, if you're all in with something, you get resourceful. Like I can't like say that enough getting resourceful being the kind of person that just figures it out that doesn't have excuses that doesn't say oh this isn't working for me or it's not you just don't have that you just get resourceful and unless the mindset's the foundation there for you I don't think that's possible I also think like we decided like we wanted to be successful and by by the way I fully agree you can define success as whatever you want it to be so I don't think there's a generic term for it but Natty and I had our own version of success in our minds that we then put a flagpole in and we knew we were heading there like one way or another 
like we knew what that destination was. We didn't know how the hell we were gonna get there at times, but like we knew we were like at least, and I always use this analogy, like if you're living in LA and you're going to New York, but you know your destination is New York, you don't know what all the roads are that you're gonna take, but you know you're heading east. If you're heading east, you're heading in the right direction. And I think that was a big part for us. It's like, okay, we knew where we wanted to go. And then every like turn or every hurdle or things that showed up, we're like, okay, like, how do we conquer this? How do we move over it? And, you know, there's also that saying that, you know, these hurdles are put in front of you. Like, it does stand in the way of the thing that you want. And that's okay. It's just part of the journey. And I think imposter syndrome is actually part of the journey Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Like, if you're lucky enough that you don't suffer from it, good on you. But the majority of people do. And it's just part of the journey. Things that you have to overcome, ways that you have to strengthen the mindset to get to where you want to go. So when you guys are doing that, do you look at what is real and what is um, your mind telling you something because you'd said about your abilities and as as Instagram's growing right when it first starts and even now with the way the world is going with like NFTs and things like that there's so much we don't freaking know so now if we don't know it most of us start the fear of I freaking don't have a clue what I'm doing and so that fear then stops you from taking that first step and that mindset you guys have already said it that you choose to believe that you can but when it's something new where you actually don't have the ability, you don't have the skill set, how do you approach it like with, with confidence? I don't know if com- confidence comes, because I think confidence comes from competence. And when you don't know something, it's very hard to be confident about it. Honestly, I think it just starts with a decision that you're not gonna let those things stand on your way. Mm. Like you can, like all these things can be there. Like you're totally right. You don't know anything about it. Like. There's so much to learn. It's intimidating. There's always someone who knows more than you. Like, you know, why not be happy where you are? You've got this. Like, what are you risking? Why are you not? I mean, I used to get told all the time, why are you not content with where you are? And, and what like, is your response? And my, to me, it's like my biggest value is growth. It's not about not being content. It's about that I love learning. I love growing and I thrive in those environments. So that, that is what makes me happy. That's what lights me up. And so you're asking me to change one of my fundamental, fundamental foundational values. So I think that's where it comes from. And so those people that like, you know, really, really struggled taking any steps, really ask like, well, do you really want to? Yeah, and just taking NFTs as an example. When I started hearing about NFTs, I'm like, what is this? This makes no sense to me. No, this doesn't sound like it's going to take off. And then I continued hearing about NFTs and I started to hear people that I look up to talk about how this is going to be a thing that I need to know about. And I would, you know, listen to podcasts or read articles and I feel like it would go in one ear, out the other. Like Mm -hmm. I, I just wasn't grasping it. And I realized at that point, okay, it's time to break it down and make it a little bit easier. At that point, you have two roads. You have the road where you put your blinders on and you go your own path and you learn nothing about it, which for some people is fine. Or you have the road where you say, okay, this is uncomfortable. It's confusing. And I still want to learn about it. So I'm going to go down that path. That's the path that I've chose to go down with so many different things, but say NFTs, I go down it. So then I start with Google. NFTs for people <laughs> that don't understand NFTs. Like I just Google as basic as I can. And I think with anything, let me just learn one new thing a day. Let me spend 10 minutes a day on this thing while I'm brushing my teeth or doing my routine. Let me just hear 
And eventually, if you do that, you'd say 10 minutes every day for a month, by the end of the month, you're gonna be able to tell someone what an NFT is. And so that goes for so many different things. Break it down, make it an easier lift on yourself. You don't need to lock yourself in a room for a weekend and know everything there is to know about it. I think that's the key thing is that when you look at people who are famous or experts in the industry, they start in nowhere. Like they start at the beginning too. I love that so much. And that's a very powerful reminder. Um, one thing I want to talk about is um, that women do not believe in our own abilities. And that I know you guys have spoken a lot about of the, the chasm, and I've repeated this, but the gap between what women are capable of and why we are not succeeding. And um, it says men rate their performances at a 61 on average, mm -hmm. a 61 out of 100. Women rate themselves as a 46 out of 100. It's the same thing applying for jobs. If a man looks at a job app, a job description, um, he will, even if he can only do 20% of it, he will apply for the job. Whereas a woman won't apply, apply unless she can do 80% of what's on the job description. Those numbers may fluctuate, but yeah. the, the message stays the same, people. <laughs> like women do, like they do doubt themselves more. Um, and that is something that I think, you know, that's probably why, you know, so many people gravitate towards Boss Babe because it's so unapologetic and, you know, like actually, no, we get to, we, we get to believe in ourselves. Mm -hmm. We get to say, do you know what? I'm ambitious. We get to say, do you know what? I want to earn more money. Do you know what? I'm actually really freaking good at this. Mm. Like, and that's what our friendship's been really built on is like, actually there's never, there's always enough. So yeah. there's never like, you know, if one person's good at something, the other person can't be good at it. It's always about like, oh, like shouting and praising, but also like the amount of times, and actually this was really alien for me for a little bit. Natalie, you were a bit better at this, weren't you? <laughs> Natalie would say to me, I'm freaking awesome at this. Look what I just created. And I would be like, yes, you did, amazing. And I was just like, why can't I sit out by myself? Like, okay, I've got to pause you there. That was so freaking powerful. Let's go really deep on that because that is so amazing. I love that you can own it. I want to know, how the hell you do that and stay true to it. And then B, how you don't allow someone else's confidence and, which is beautiful, someone else's confidence to not do, um, erode your own credibility and your own confidence. So I think we need to start with you, Nat. So firstly, I definitely have my big Capricorn energy to thank for that. <laughs> I was definitely born with that. But so what I realized was I've naturally always been able to recognize what I'm good at and feel comfortable knowing what I'm good at. Because the way I see it is I'm really good at things that I've really worked hard to be good at. I wasn't naturally gifted in many different areas. Um, what made that difficult was some people don't like it mm -hmm. when you say good things about yourself and it makes them uncomfortable. Particularly in British culture. Yeah. Culture. And so I'd have certain friends, friends that would tell me I'm big headed because I would say certain things like that or I was full of myself. And for a while, that really weighed on me. And for a while, I would start to diminish things that I thought I'd done a really good job at. You know, when you come out of a test in, in university and you know you crushed it, <laughs> but then your friends are like, how did that go? Oh, I was terrible. You can't, I, I kind of get in the habit of being like, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Just because I knew if I said something like, oh no, I absolutely crushed it. Oh, well, we'll see, you're full of yourself. And it took me a long time to get into the, the space of, do you know what? The people around me that actually matter will celebrate that I'm celebrating myself. And if they don't, mm. I can't be around them. And that was really hard because a lot of the time, those people you really love and you really care about, 
But at some point in your life, you have to stop caring what people think and value yourself and your happiness and your peace above that, which is a lot easier to say than done. And I think for me, I'll share like a different perspective because that wasn't my natural, that wasn't my natural journey. I was very much more play it down. Like I remember several times during my later school years where I would sabotage myself because I didn't want people to know that I was good at things or Mm. I didn't want like that um, attention that came with it. And I remember um, my G- getting my GCSE results. Um, I think I got like five A stars and oh, four Jesus. A's. But I was so embarrassed. I didn't tell anyone. I was like, oh my goodness, my friends are going to hate me. You were embarrassed that you did well? Yeah, same. I got a distinction in my degree and my friend who was above me in the register. So they didn't, they put it in um, alphabetical order. Um, so she saw what mine was and I got a distinction and she turned around to me and said, oh, you fucking got a distinction, you bitch. Was she serious wow. or was it like, oh, yeah, no, bitch, you got it? Deadly serious. And I was like, so I don't want to, it is so hard to come across people who live in abundance where they're like, do you know what? If someone does well, that doesn't take away from me. And I wasn't around people who did praise themselves. But then when I met Natalie and she would say things like, hey, look at this, I've just done such a good job with this. I was like, wow, how nice that I actually get, I, I was I was feeling mm. in abundance and I could celebrate her. I couldn't celebrate myself at that point, but I could celebrate her because I didn't feel like just because she was good at something, it was taking away from me. I was like, yeah, go you. Like there's plenty, there was no limit to distinctions in the, the <laughs> university. Anyone could have got a distinction. Like I wasn't taking it from anyone. I just earned it. And I think that's the same thing that, you know, we have with our relationship, you're not taking away yeah. from me when you're doing well. In fact, you're adding to my life, quite frankly, because we're in business together. Yeah, you nailed it. But so many, so I, I like... need to just stop though for a second because so many people don't see it like that. And that's why I really want to hammer home that so many people allow that. And I was one of them because I was so um, insecure myself that that's how I'm, I can say this is that once upon a time, that would have made me feel worse. I wouldn't have been able to see the great. I wouldn't have been able to see the amazing thing of having Natalie as a partner. Yeah. All I would have seen is how badly you make me feel because mm. I'm, I can't compete with you because I'm not as good. Yeah. How did you get over that? Working myself, my mindset, yeah. it, 100% was stop looking outwards. Like, you can't control how other people are. And I think it's a real difference between jealousy and envy. I think envy can be super empowering. I can look at someone and go, oh my God, look what, like I can look at your guys' brand and be so like mm. envious of how beautifully big it is and like the amount of women you're impacting. That motivates me. Yeah. Or I can choose jealousy that sits there seething going, these fucking bitches, like I can't fucking believe they're taking all the women from me, right? Like yeah. that, that's like a choice that you can have as a mindset. Yeah. So I just go internally and use it as a power but that's been a lot of growth yeah. mindset And we, we have a quote, which we've always said at Boss Babe, and we use externally and, and internally, and that is like collaboration over competition. Mm. So we choose to collaborate versus be in competition with each other. And that's why like every single Friday, we have a meeting with the whole team where they share one thing that they're great, for, grateful for in their lives, whether it's like personally or professionally, and then they celebrate someone on the team. They have to pick someone. There's like enough for every everyone to go around, you know? Mm. And what's really interesting um, 
when we started doing these calls, we would notice how much some of our team would struggle with receiving. Ooh, yeah. And so often you'll find there's a theme. So one person might probably get celebrated by multiple people that week because their works really stood out. And in the beginning, we'd notice they're uncomfortable. They're like looking away, they're laughing, like really struggling to receive. But seeing the progression of the team, people can really own it now when they sit and they're like smiling and they're listening and really taking it in. And I think that's also a really interesting practice to be able to really receive compliments. Like how often when someone compliments, oh, that dress is amazing. Oh, thanks. It was on sale. Yeah. Whatever we yeah. do to kind of shut it down. Mm -hmm. What if you reframe your mindset and you're like, okay, first I'm going to start with receiving. So every time someone compliments me, oh, your hair looks amazing. Even if you don't think it does, just say thank you and just take that and, and go on with your day. And getting into that habit will start to change that internal uh, na narrative. And I actually think that's, a, you've just reminded me, that's something I actively had to do. And yeah, I would encourage did. any listeners to, if you are like that, someone would say to me, might be like, oh, your hair looks nice, but I washed it. You would just throw it back at them. Mm -hmm. It's like uncomfortable to like f have someone tell you that you're good at something or yeah. you look nice. So if anyone's like watching this or listening to it and going, oh, that's me, like that's like part of the change now. Because I, I think if you struggle, to receive it's actually very hard you know just going back to our beginning conversation around growing in business or learning stuff like you actually repel that too mm -hmm. because yeah. you're just not good at receiving anything knowledge money love any of it and so if you can start rewiring that pattern then it has a knock-on effect and a positive ripple effect in so many other parts of your life. Also, you then start noticing how much you want to give it to other people. Mm -hmm. And then that starts benefiting them. Like I remember literally my whole entire family, we never ever used to say love you on the phone, ever. You would just be like, oh yeah, bye. That was it. And then I just started one day, like, I don't know, they had a boyfriend at the time, he used to say it. I was like, four, I don't know, like 14, 15. He always used to say, love you. And I just started saying it to my family. And then my grandparents would like say it. And then my mum and my grandma had never said that on the phone to each other. And they started saying it. And I was like, wow, look at this positive ripple effect. Now mm. you cannot jump on the phone with any of my family without them being like, love you, bye. Mm. <laughs> so you're saying it becomes this knock-on effect yeah. that almost gives other people permission mm. to then do it and say it and feel it. Yeah, with all of those things. Yeah. Um, so just like you're telling your family you love you, is that what you guys are finding with your business, with your team, that by staying true to who you are, by saying out loud that you are proud of yourself, you're noti noticing this ripple effect, but then how also are they taking that? So let's say you're complimenting them. How, are they how is that actually benefiting how they show up every day, their work? Um, are you noticing a knock-on effect there? Massive, absolutely massive. People really like to be recognized and, you know, we often think that people might be getting enough of it somewhere else, but let's think about work. How much of your time, your life you spend at work, if you're not being recognized there, you can't go home and tell your partner every single thing that you did and they can't really recognize you for it. So I think at work especially, it's so, so important to be able to call out when someone is doing something good mm. or you see them really making an effort because what we have noticed on the other side, um, and you've probably noticed this too, you know when someone's having a bad week and then you're kind of, you point out that they've done a few things wrong mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they get into a spiral yeah. that is very difficult to pull them out of. Yeah. You can create the positive version of that. You can hype them up. You can get them feeling really good about themselves. You can point out what they're really good at. And it really, really does make a massive difference. Also, there's a research, another research study that showed the people were, if you, if the employees were happiest, 
they would score higher in productivity. Mm. So the happier employees are, the harder they work, the more productive they are too. Yeah, God, that's so apparent. And in fact, when we were at Quest, um, the company just got so big so quickly, it was really hard to have one-on-one contact with people and know, like, are you actually satisfied? Are you happy? And so we, the metric we started to judge it by was laughter. Mm. And we literally said how much, like, it gets like a weird vibe. And you're like, this weird vibe, like, what is it? And you realize no one's laughing. Mm. Like, it is that one little thing. And so knowing that, and I love, you know, we're so freaking tactical. That's why I freaking love you guys. But like, almost like in implanting moments of laughter in your day to bring a different vibe because I I personally definitely get in my own head about whether I can achieve something whether I'm good enough and so I'm always how do I flip this how do I change this voice how do I make it positive how do I make it work for me and so um, that's really like one thing that I kind of focus on every day in doing Um, I I love that yeah we could think about how to implement that especially in a remote team too Mm -hmm. I think it's so important especially when you start a meeting it can be like you get on zoom it can be really tempting to like jump into your agenda but just taking some time to see what everyone got up to at the weekend I think sometimes it can be a little bit hard to get people talking but as soon as you do people are laughing and having fun together Mm -hmm. that's really productive too and so making sure you have time for that I think so important and our relationship there would be times where we realize in weeks we haven't had like what we call friendship chats or friendship Mm. calls where it's not business but definitely one thing that Danielle helped me learn a lot was just being more open about my emotions I historically have not been whereas Danielle's a lot more in tune with her emotions (laughs) and there'd be times you know we hop onto a call and okay I'm bringing the agenda up and I'm just hammering through them and Danielle would read like "Mm, she's a little bit off Mm. and she would just stop things and be like are you okay and then I would just have a meltdown (laughs) because I've just been bottling everything up (laughs) And all of a sudden you realize, wait, if I just addressed how I was feeling Mm. or what was going on for me, then the other person wouldn't have to sit and read between the lines and wonder, did they do something wrong? And it's so much nicer to just be able to open up and lead with how you feel. Yeah. And I feel like, too... You, our communication's gotten more efficient over time. Oh, so yeah. in the beginning, we didn't know how to have conflict with each other. And so it would take a long time of like finally bringing it up and then navigating like each other's. It could take an hour to have one conversation. Whereas now, and crucial conversations are important in every single relationship. Now, you know, there might be something that I've done that really bugged Danielle and where in the past bringing that to a conversation might have taken us both an hour to navigate. Now it's very much she'll call me in the moment and it's 10 minutes and it's done. And same with me and me the other way around. And that's because we've learned each other. And also, I think because we've we've done our own work, whereas before we would probably bring that up in a very a very uneducated way it was like you said this and you made you made me feel right. like this right which is very triggering them for the other person because they feel like they've done something wrong whereas now it's like hey when you said this a story i'm telling myself is this so can we talk about that like so it, it's a completely different angle and so again like you know as i spoke about earlier it's like you have to take responsibility for your words your actions everything if you want to change your life if you want to do something new if you want to if you don't like the situation in you have to take responsibility and we both took responsibility in our relationship for being like hey like these bits are amazing this bit is where we need to do work how can we both come together and be like okay i can own this part you can own that part let's go away let's do the work and let's resolve how we move forwards when we have these challenges and now we'll literally have like if we have it's probably like six minutes we can turn something in and out in and out that's amazing 
Mm. Yeah, because yeah, we just, it's just, you know, practice and we're each responsible. That's a big difference. Yeah, and the great thing is, you know, just because, say you say something, that, or say someone says something to you that really upsets you and you bring it up and you tell them the story, they might still really stand by what they're saying. And they, you might have completely different opinions, mm. but being able to hear each other and validate, okay, I, I really validate your experience and mine's very, very different. Being able to both own that and not let it get between you, I think is really, really important. Oh, let's go deeper. Give me the real tactical things about that. You said a couple of words that you, you know, change. You made me feel like this, which is making blame. Like that's the sort of thing, guys, that I honestly think can make or break a relationship, mm -hmm. a partner, a friendship a business where it's like you just let your feelings get in the way yeah. and like when I started quest like I had zero confidence in myself so my feelings were all that was present and so whenever people ask me about my transition from going into business I was like the actual act of learning how to grow a business to do a P&L to manage a shipping department all of that shit like there are YouTube videos and Google yeah. that you can do for it but how to the hell to manage your emotions when you're in a discussion where someone's triggering you where someone's making you feel badly about yourself that's the shit where I'm like that can literally stop you in your path so how do you what other things um, can you give as advice that you guys have done over the time that has taken the feeling and emotion out of it in order for you to build like the freaking amazing company that you guys have built one thing that Natty and I always remember about each other is that we both have good intentions mm. so what I mean by that is if Natalie upsets me, let's say she says something and I'm really offended or I'm upset by something she says, right? My personal process is I take a step back. I, I rarely say anything there and then. I'm much more of a like, a, I'll go away and process my own feelings and try and understand if I even need to say anything because that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't even need to bring it up. It's actually all on you because she stepped on that little child's that I had inside me, which is coming through from my childhood, which is actually nothing to do with her. And when you step back at it and you actually look at the words written down without like, you're like, actually, was that offensive or not? Mm. No, it wasn't. I've processed it. I know that I have a trigger here and I need to go and deal with that. So here's an example. I used to think the word no was such a bad word. So when I was a kid, my parents were like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. Mm. Like, and I would have like a visceral reaction to being told no as if I'd done something wrong. And when I first met Natalie, she's a challenger and eight on the Enneagram. No is my favorite word. It's her favorite word. <laughs> the and I love how you're always very so like, non, you're like, no. Yeah, she's like, yeah, do you want to go no here? No. <laughs> can we, do you want to do this? No. Can we, and then, so it would be like, can we do this in the business? Or like, I have this idea. Do you like it? No. I would be like, so triggered. Like I've done something wrong. Mm. She doesn't have my idea. I've done something wrong. I'm not worthy, all these things. And so I'd have this spiral. Um, and we went on this walk and talk and I was like, hey, I've, I've realized something that I want to share with you. And I didn't say to her, hey, when like you're saying no is really like horrible. I don't like it. I was like, hey, I realized I actually have a real like sensitivity around the word no. And I'm trying my best to work through it. In the meantime, I would love your support with it. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. She was like, oh my God, I must've been triggering you left, right and center. I was like, yes, you were. So it was like this, like one, she was, I, I came in and I wasn't saying she did anything wrong. I knew it was on me, I was taking responsibility. But then she was also mm. kind enough to be like, hey, I'll actually change that for you. Like, what would you like me to say in the meantime? Does this work? Does that work? And I was like, yeah, those words are perfect. I was like, it's not gonna be like this forever, but I'm just working on it. And then right now I'm really sensitive about it. So if you can help me in that, and just like that whole thing was that like we both had good intentions. Like I knew like, 
you know, we always say boss baby is our baby and want to do best by the baby, right? So I knew that she would like, knew that helping me and supporting me this would make her life easier <laughs> in the long term. But I think it's just being receptive to those things. Do you have any you want to share? Yeah, I, that's definitely a big one is in relationships, being able to create a safe enough space where you can be really open because I feel like we're constantly learning things about ourselves and having new conversations and saying, oh, this is an edge for me or I'm learning this about myself mm -hmm. or I need support here. And having that safety is really, really important, which we've been able to build over time. Like, I feel like there's nothing we can't talk about. And then if you're in a conversation, like when Danielle was saying, coming to the conversation saying, when this happened, the story I told myself was, firstly, you're not putting the blame on someone. So that's, that's a really good way of approaching it. And if you're on the receiving end, even if you think their story is crazy and you're like, this is crazy, I don't agree with it. It's really important that you validate their feelings because every single one of us has the craziest stories. Like we all have it. And if you think you don't, just wait. We all have it. And so it's first really important to say like, thank you for sharing that. So they know, okay, I can come and share things like that again. And then you can say, you know, I'm really sorry, I didn't intend that. Or if you're not sorry, you don't need to say sorry. You just need to go in the direction of, I really maintain what I said. I didn't intend to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for me to voice my feelings or whichever direction you take it. But being able to create that safe space and then make sure before you end the conversation, you're both feeling clean about it and there's nothing else. It's so important. And the more of those conversations you have, the easier and quicker they get. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams 
a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. I love that so much. I do it. My husband, as you guys know, my husband's my business partner and I do the same thing because there is this spillover between personal and business mm. and the trigger thing, like it is insane how, how many women I talk about where their triggers in their personal life does absolutely rear its ugly head in the business world. And so for me, it is multiple things. It's building a habit, right? Because your trigger has become this thing that you've carried with you over time. So to untrigger yourself, to work through it becomes a habit. And so giving yourself the grace to develop that new habit same with you articulating that I'm not there yet but and I'll give myself the pat on the back and I was like remember like three weeks ago it took me you know 24 hours and now I just recognized it in two days in, in two hours it gives me the my own credibility that you're yeah. on the right path don't yeah. beat yourself up for not being there but give yourself the pat on the back that you're trying to get there and then the second part is I don't always take my feelings as truth Mm. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Meaning, and you, you obviously have really suffered with health like myself, and yeah. um, that, it came from my health issues. Because I realized one day, I was at Quest, and you know, we'd worked a couple of years, it was you know, huge at this point, and we had this big meeting, and Tom, my business partner, or at the time he was more like my boss, he turned to me and said something, and I got so upset. And it was the first time I ever cried at work. And I ran into his bathroom after the meeting was like over. I ran into his bathroom and he was like, what the hell? So he walks in. This is years into the business, guys. And he walks in and he's like, babe, is everything all right? I was like, you were so mean to me. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> he's like, my wife never cries, crying at work. And she said, I'm being mean to her. Like that has taken the business into the personal space. And because I trusted him, he was able to say to me, this is against your character. Now, yeah. once I had that insight, I started to really look at my hormones. And mm. I really started to look at how I eat, how much I sleep, like all these things that actually contribute to my belief in myself, to my confidence to show up, to my belief in taking a criticism. Like literally just how I feel with my hormones will allow me to either take a criticism and go, thank you for that, or be completely broken by so that true. criticism. That other layer to There's being a certain woman. time of the month you just don't criticize someone. Right. You just save it. So talk to me about that. Have you guys found that how you live in your lifestyle has had a knock-on effect in your confidence in your business um, and what those things are? Like, again, I'm always looking for tips and takeaways. Um, what, what things have you guys done? 1,000%. So for me, what's firstly really important is sleep. I don't compromise my sleep. I'm not the kind of person that will pull an all-nighter. It just doesn't work for me. When I sleep well, I work so much better. Blood sugar. So I wear my mm. CGM all the time. Tracking my blood sugar, I would say, is the number one thing that's healed my hormones completely. Um you know, I felt like I could never get to the bottom of what was happening with my hormones. And when I found out about the role that blood sugar plays in your overall health, it changed everything for me. And it's really important that you're managing your blood sugar on a like on an hourly basis because it affects how you show up at work. If you have a breakfast that then sends you into a crash, you're not going to have a productive morning. If you have a lunch that sends you into an afternoon slump, you're going to want to nap, not 
you know, write some copy. Same thing. So thinking about the journey that your energy is going on throughout the day, blood sugar is really the foundational element of that. So that's been incredibly important. Can I add one thing to that yeah. as well that I've actually found is yeah. that um, high levels of um, sugar makes me more anxious. Mm, yes, and because caffeine. it makes you feel and caffeine because it yeah. makes you jittery. Sure. And so going into a meeting, right, or you're especially like if you're a meeting that you're not confident in, right, yes. where you're like, I have to keep my cool, I want to show up, like I, I really want to give it my all, and you're freaking shaking because you just pounded a cake and freaking yeah. coffee on the way to the the meeting. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. No one's going to show up well. So those two things being really, really important. And then third, having a practice that helps you ground mm. and be in a good space. So for me, one thing that I do is I live by my calendar, but I block out my lunch every single day in my calendar. And I make sure I'm not eating my, at my desk or I'm eating in meetings. I'm actually sitting down having my lunch and I'll often go on a walk. And that just helps me make sure I'm in a really, really good state for when I'm taking meetings or working. And that's the whole thing we're talking about. When you prioritize yourself, you show up in a totally different way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously my background was health anyway, so I always spoke to Natalie about like the holistic side to doing business almost because, you know, I, I say this quite over and over again, but I genuinely like believe this and live by it. It's like you're only successful as you're going to be mentally and physically capable of being. So you're right, like look, understanding your hormones. I always think, I've used this word a lot in this podcast, which I'm kind of like reflecting on, but I think there's this responsibility piece. Mm. A lot of people give the responsibility of their health away to practitioners, surgeons, someone else, just not them. And I think we're past that now. I think everyone, if, they, if you want to be successful, if you want to be your best self, if you want to be feeling at your best, you have to recognize that you've got to take responsibility for that. You've got to be responsibility, take responsibility for checking in with yourself, mm. listening to your body. Being able to put boundaries on, like, you know, Natalie has this boundary around no meetings. Everyone respects it, you know? Like, what, what can you do to make sure you are at your best? And then putting those things in place and just recognizing, and a lot of the times, like, it's not even the complicated stuff. You know, Natalie's showing her, like, um, CGM monitor, right? But there's a lot of things that you can do before that. Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting your seven or eight hours sleep? Maybe there's some supplements that you might need to take, whatever it is. But exercising, I feel personally more confident when I exercise. Mm. Um, and just also knowing that it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process. It's never like, oh yeah, I'm like perfect, perfect health and I'm done. There's always like something you can be improving on, but just taking a bit of responsibility mm. for it, I think is really important. I love that. Like my morning routine as well is the thing that sets me up for confidence in, all yeah. day. Like it doesn't matter what thing that I may be anxious about or what I'm about to do that day. It's like having that me time, um, it's so important, but I think that, and I don't know if you guys feel like this, it feels like I've come to this conclusion all in hindsight. So you've got people mm. at home right now that are just like, I want to build, I want to do great things. I don't have the confidence. How do I build my confidence? Let me work on myself. And then you come to a point where your health sometimes does come into conflict with the time that you're going to work on your business. And I've heard you guys talk about being unapologetically you and you very, um, Natalie, speaking very eloquently about how you've had to reshape your life to put yourself first. How did you do that? Because the amount of people right now that I think are just being like, well, it's okay for you guys. It's freaking difficult. Yeah. But I actually understand what they're saying. That The more successful you get, the easier somewhat it is to make more demands of your own personal time. But in the build-up, it is actually very hard. So in everything we're talking about, when we all know the health leads to the confidence, the confidence leads to us stepping up and building the business or the life that we want. 
But now if you backtrack, how the hell do you do that in the first place when you don't have the confidence to necessarily put your health first because you think that that's actually going to be detrimental to what you're trying to do? I think that's such a good question. And I think about, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, if you're in the early stages of trying to get a business off the ground and you're worried about paying rent, you're worried about not being able to afford food, thinking about buying organic food is probably not even an option for you. And you're listening to people talking about it and you're like, yeah, sounds good. Do you have no idea where I'm at? I think that's really important to acknowledge. Um, especially I think about when I was first building my first business, I lived off like cup of noodles and they were not the healthiest things, but I was doing little things. I was trying to get out for walks. I was not sleeping great. But as you start to move up Maslow's hierarchy and you start to get your foundational needs in place, okay, I can pay my rent this month. Okay, I can actually afford to eat a little bit better. Mm. Things start to free up and you do get to create some mind space to think about fulfillment and health and all of those other areas of your life. But when you're in a survival phase, I think it's very, very difficult. Mm. And I think that's important Mm. to acknowledge. If you are in that phase where, like we've talked about it before, would we have necessarily gotten our business to the point it is now had we not pulled those really late nights? Those 80 hour weeks. I don't think we would have. Guys, this is the truth talk right here because I don't know what to do or say because you're 1000% right. But also that was the cause of my health issues and- Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there's things you can do in that you do the best with what you can. You try and get the sleep that you can. You make time to go outside. You, If you're working out, making time for that. I always made time for my workout, no matter what. So I would get up and I would work at 6 a.m. every single day. And I freaking hated it. Every single day, I hated it. I'd be doing, I hate this, I hate this. But after I finished, I'd feel so much better. And then I'd jump into work. I'd be like starting to do messages around 6.30 a.m. So I could get that handover time with Danielle. That was really important. And I'm really glad that I put the time in. I'm glad that I still made time to exercise and it made a big difference. And I'm glad that I put the time in. Yeah, I think it's important to accept there are seasons of your life they're absolute shit shows. No, I'm gonna vote way more eloquently. So like... <laughs> no, there are seasons of your life where you have different things that you're focused on. Yeah. And I do think that's uh, really important. <laughs> but actually, I mean, like, just own it, right? If there are yeah. seasons that are shit shows, how do you actually get yeah. through the shit show so that you can show up for the good season? Yeah, and I honestly, I think it comes back around to all of these. It's like, okay, well. This is where I'm at right right now. It's really freaking hard. But I also know it's a season. Seasons pass, they Mm. come and go. Like my life isn't gonna be like this forever. That I think gives you strength. And okay, I can't control all these other things, but what are the things that I can control? And quite often I do think like, you know, your routine is the easiest thing to control quite often. You know, whether you are suffering health challenges or whether you're suffering mental challenges or whether you're like busy in work, not busy in work, you've got 10 kids at home, whatever it is. Like, I think if you can try and have some form of routine for yourself that you ground in every day, that makes everything else that little bit easier, Mm. you know? But it's like what you choose to sacrifice. Like I I really Mm. try my very best not to sacrifice my health. Yeah. Like I really did. You like, did a really good job I of that. I tried to work out and I always ate well. Like I didn't go into the takeouts. Like I always made sure I cooked. So those were my like, I I was so adamant and holding on to those things. But I never watched TV in the end. I basically stopped socializing with my friends. Holidays were coming out to LA. 
like I didn't have a holiday for two years. I would come out here and work. So there's like, I think you get to choose. There's always a little bit of choice of what you can sacrifice and what you can't. Oh, I love that. And actually I wrote down, I want to talk to you guys about FOMO because I'm really was going through what are all the things that really help that, that hold people back. And when I think about my own story, it really was the fear of missing out with all my friends, right? Mm. It's, I'm on a Saturday night in a freaking hairnet and sweatpants and sneakers, making protein bars by hand. And you know, my friends are going to the club, they're going to the bars or in not even anything that extreme. They were going to Starbucks for a coffee and I was just saving every penny I had. So I would either say no to going to Starbucks or take my own homemade coffee with me. That was really hard emotionally mm. to decide that I was putting my dreams and goals ahead of um, hanging out with my friends. Did you guys have that FOMO? Because I really do think again that this is one thing that can hold women back from actually living the life they want. I have to be honest, I don't have FOMO so much because whatever I'm missing out on is a choice. And really, when I dig into it, I'd so much rather be doing what I'm doing. And so there's, you know, if I'm not going to certain events, I might see it on Instagram and part of me is like, oh, it'd be really nice to be with everyone. And would I trade it for the situation I'm in right now? Absolutely not. And so I remind myself mm -hmm. of that. Like, I love an early bedtime. So I might go out with friends. I went out recently for a friend's birthday and I was very clear on my boundary of, hey, I'm going to be leaving at 10. I have no interest in going to the club. Doesn't light me up. And me and my husband went home. We had a great sleep. Woke up the next day. We were hearing everyone's stories of how fun it was and all the stuff they got up to. And I was able to really enjoy that for them and be really grateful with the decision that I made. Mm -hmm. I know that I am so happy when I feel good. And so the things that I miss out on to feel good are totally worth it. Yeah, I was trying to think about this. Like, I feel like I've been so laser focused in creating my dream and my vision that I just- Nothing I, competes with that. Yeah, nothing. Like I, I, I can still find time to socialize and do those things when I want to and also say no when I don't. But I think for me, like people talk, like Simon Snake talks about your why. My why has got me through so much. Like if I stop and think about it, um, the why, why we show up for Boss Babe every day, the impact that we have on women who are building wealth for themselves, their family, we're changing generations. I don't give a shit about that coffee. Like, I, it just doesn't even come on my radar. I totally get that that's not the case for everybody else or like some people, but I think when you do have that why, it does become it easier to say mm -hmm. no or to be clear on what your yeses and what your noes are. I actually heard Raddy talk about this on a social media post that she did. Um, and she was like rewiring like, oh, I have to, or I get to. Mm. And I was like, damn, like, yeah, you get to have the choice of whether you go to coffee or not. Yeah. Like, thank goodness you have friends who want to have coffee with you and you get to have a business. Mm. So which do you want to do on this day? Sometimes I'm all for going for coffee with a friend. I'm like, yeah, I need out of this business right now. <laughs> I've been on too many Zoom calls and I want to go. No offense, even though you're messy. <laughs> yeah. But like other times I'm like, no, I'm like loving this right now. I'm really yeah. busy. I'm on this project. Like I've got a bit of momentum. I don't want to leave my desk. Like I'm really in it and I'm enjoying it. Have you guys heard of the um, the marshmallow experiment? No. So it's this, they did this experiment years ago and they put a bunch of kids and they tell the kid, they put a kid by a table and they're like, here's a marshmallow. We're gonna leave the room. If you don't eat that marshmallow, when I come back, I'm actually gonna give you another one. 
But if you eat the marshmallow, then I'm not. And so what they did is they put these kids in and they saw how many kids ate the marshmallow and then they tracked them for like 30 years. And all the kids that didn't eat the marshmallow, it was something, I'm gonna make up a percent, but it was something like 10 times they were more successful than the people that ate the marshmallow when they were first wow. given it. Because it's the short-term satisfaction versus the long-term satisfaction. Yep. It's the people that like, I wanna freaking eat ice cream all day, every day, but A, I know my stomach's gonna hurt, so I don't bother. But then also I know that that doesn't serve the bigger goal that I have of being healthy and you know building muscle or whatever, getting strong. So um, I think everything you said, you guys are definitely yeah. will wait for the marshmallow. You would never eat it. Oh no, I, if I was oh, told that. I would wait yeah. for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. there's that saying, choosing an easy life now leads to a harder life later. Mm. And choosing a hard life now leads to an easy life later. And think about that with retirement. Like, you know, working hard now, saving money, is gonna give you an easier retirement versus, you know, not necessarily working so hard, not saving or, you know, living a lifestyle where you're like spending a lot of money now, is gonna lead to a harder life later. Mm. So it's that kind of same kind of concept. And um, talk to me about money. Because that's the one thing that, yes, oh, talk about it. yeah. But, but seriously, I mean, in fact, we just had a conversation recently about this, that how, it is, I was taught that you don't talk about money, that especially as a woman, you never ask, you never tell people how much money, you never tell people how successful you are. And to the point where my entire life, I was, as we were building Quest, it was like very exciting. I was giving up so much, going back to sacrifice, sacrificing a lot. And in those sacrifices, I was telling myself, one day, Lisa, you're gonna be able to like walk into a Starbucks and buy three, three cups of coffee and not worry about the price. Yeah, one day, Lisa, you're gonna buy those Louboutins that you really freaking love. And then eventually you get there and then it becomes, going back to like, is it boasting? Is it gloating? We've been taught when we shouldn't talk about money, we shouldn't talk about success. So all these things that have driven you, you, I at least felt guilty about even talking about them after. So talk to me about that and what you guys have found um, with women in talking about money, owning how much money they're making um, and being able to talk about it without worrying or being perceived that we're bitches um, or gloating or things like that. I think it kind of comes back to what we were talking about when we were saying, you know, um, when you celebrate yourself, the people around you that shun you for that probably aren't the people that you want to be around. It's very similar with money. Mm -hmm. um, and what do they say? You, you earn the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So it is actually really important that you are curating the right circle. And if you're also around people that tell you you're greedy or why do you want more? Why are you not satisfied? they might not be the right people to be making millions around because they'll always have an answer for what you're doing. They'll always find a way to put you down. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. Be around people where you know it's safe to be able to talk about that. Secondly, women just don't own it. For some reason, um, it's looked down upon to want to make money. Money is incredible. Money gives you access to so many things. Money, you know, gives you access to be able to change things in the world, to change people's lives, to create experiences. No, it doesn't make you happy, but it definitely helps. When you're not having to worry about your medical bills, when you can buy the most expensive supplements or organic food that you desire, when you can create experiences for your family to come together and have memories for life, money's really, really important when you can see a cause that you really care about and be able to contribute in a meaningful way without feeling like that's a real drain on you, that's incredible. And if, if women are serious about building wealth, it's important to really acknowledge that and claim that and not be ashamed to talk about it. Yeah. I get so revved up about this. Yeah, like, we love this. For me, 
the more money women make, the better we're doing our job at Boss Babe. Like that's mm. what it's about. It's about like, how can we help you take ownership of your financial position? And the first thing I would say though about money is you have to recognize that you have a money mindset and understand what that is. And it sounds like crazy, but when I first learned about this, I was, I bought this like money course. I can't even remember what it was, a money mindset course. And it was like, write down all the stories that you have about money. Mm. And I was like writing stuff down. And I was like, this is so weird. And I wrote down there like, oh, men always earn more than women. I had that story because that's what I'd seen growing up. Money um, made you kind of like a bad person. If you got money, you were kind of like not a great person because I just remember like these two wealthy, like rich guys that I'd known, like I was like, they were just not amazing people. And I remember hearing my mum and dad say stuff about them. And like, so I just had this narrative that like, okay, like that's what happens. And you know, also like money is really hard. Money is, does not grow on trees. It's really hard to come by. All of these, all of these, like, you know, I guess you could call it like beliefs. I had this belief system, mm. and I think what's really important is that, you know, a lot of women and men will have belief systems, but they'll be different. My belief system growing up with an average family in the UK is going to be very different to somebody who literally grew up with like water being turned off or you know, never knowing if when they were going to get fed. And likewise, that belief system is going to be different from somebody who grew up, you know, getting bought a Range Rover for their 16th birthday. You know, mm -hmm. it's very different. You look at money differently. And I think, first of all, acknowledging that and that you get to change your narrative around money, you get to learn about money and you get to understand how other people use money is part of the process. And I think until we start acknowledging it as an education, like you have mm -hmm. to educate yourself for money you have to educate that it's an energy that it moves like it's basically just a piece of paper which has a value on that we decide what that value is and so like when you start breaking those things down I think that then one you start losing some of the shame if you do have shame around it in a belief like oh like money is evil or if I have money I'm taking it away from someone else there's not enough money in the world and you can rewire it by actually you know what I choose to have the mindset that the more money I make the more choice I have to do good in the world. When I earn this amount of money, I want to make sure a big part of it is, you know, philanthropic. I want to be giving it back. And so I know that if I have this, if the more money I'm making, the more people I'm helping, like whatever the stories are, but just really owning that we get to change the narrative. And then obviously what we do at Boss Babe is like, one, even talking about this. Like it used to be like so cringe mm. for women to even talk about money. And for someone who's just like gone through a divorce, I think it's so freaking crucial women understand their household income. As women, we spend, we are normally responsible in an average household 80% of what gets spent, right? So like that's like the general statistics that's thrown around. But I love my mum, but I was having a conversation with her the other day because I was doing my will. I was making sure like I knew where I was setting up trust, doing all these things. My mum was like, oh, I really don't know what's in our bank accounts. My mom does not have access to online bank accounts. She has a bank mm. account in her name. She does not know what's in there. Like my dad owns, like runs all of that. I mean, they've been together 40 years. Great. But I was like, mom, like, I love you, but you really, I personally believe everyone, every woman should know they should have a good baseline education of what money they have in their family. And we should really encourage that. And to be like, if you don't know, that's okay, but go and educate yourself. Um, and like I said, for me, like going through my divorce, it was a really big eye opener. I was like, I'm so grateful 
that like my dad did educate me in money. He was an accountant and I was always really good at money. I had a bank account since I was 12 year old. 12 years old and I knew how to take like financial responsibility for myself mm. and never had to ask for a penny from a guy and that was like something I really was like adamant about growing up and you know in my marriage we had separate bank accounts we had our own finances so it meant when there was a breakdown of uh, our divorce I was in a financial position to support myself mm. you know and I think that's just really really important that we get to say like have these conversations it's not dirty to talk about it it's not weird to talk about it like yeah let's own that that's a very powerful word and i actually heard you say in an interview about ambition that both you know and i just think of it as money that we have been trained that um women and ambition and women and money is a dirty dirty word a dirty mm -hmm. word which is super interesting because actually i didn't even plan to say this but when you guys came in before we started rolling i even asked you guys hey guys um, you know, you guys are making, you know, your business eight figures now. Are you okay with me even saying yeah. that? And it's interesting that I I'm asked. I'm like, yes! But it's interesting that I asked you. Yeah. Because there was a part of me that is, that knows women are, some women are worried about how much the success or their wealth is creating. Mm. And so there was almost a part of me that was like, well, of course I'm going to respect them by asking them, even though it's on your website. But yeah. like, but it goes to show that even with me, that I had intended to ask you about this question, still even had a filter where I had to check with you guys first. Yeah, what's really interesting is even before this, we were filming, we were talking about different products and launches. And um, one of the questions I was like, oh, how much are you going to make from yeah. that? And just like, we're very open talking about it and getting into that habit, I think is really important. And of mm. course, there's times when you say, oh, I'm not really comfortable talking about it or I don't know yet. But when you can get comfortable saying, oh, well, I just closed this deal for this amount and it feels really, really good. Let's celebrate. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. It's like normalizing, isn't it? Like yeah. normalizing conversations because they were traditionally rude don't get me wrong like in some circles it's still gonna be like that and there's polite ways of saying like yeah. hey do you mind you don't have to tell me but do you mind like i'm really inquisitive about this like that's why we use our platform our podcast we talk about money all the time because it's like you know they're conversations that perhaps people don't necessarily get to have with like their school friends or the people mm. that live in the same town as them yep. but hopefully they're exposed via us they can know like actually there's an open dialogue here and exposes to people about what they need to know about money like if I hadn't like things are changing right now with crypto as well like mm -hmm. some of the rooms I've been in recently obviously since moving to LA it's been really eye-opening and I was even talking to my family back home and I was genuinely surprised at how little they knew about crypto. Whereas all, all I'm freaking hearing. But if I think about the circles I run in, it's very different to the circles that I used to run in or where my family live and who they're surrounded by right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these conversations can change your upper limits. So what you might have thought was possible when you have a conversation with someone and they might tell you, say you thought, you know, the max you could make in a launch was 100K and that's like the dream launch. And you have a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, I just made 500K in my last launch. Well, all of a sudden your upper limits went from 100K to 500K and what's available consciously has changed and your goal mm. might change. And I remember... Um, when we were starting Boss Babe, my husband being quite pushy on oh, yeah. what our goals were going to be. And I had initially given him our financial goal and he, he was like, double it. And when you really do change your upper limits, you'll be really surprised what opens up and changes. I love that. Are you guys discussing that with your audience? Because like the upper limit thing, even just 
this interview alone, I really hope that's exactly what yeah. that's done, right? Is that the people that are watching, whatever they thought was possible, that you guys have just said something that has hit them that is now changing their upper limit. So let's say, for instance, you go, okay, changing my upper limit is powerful because now I can, I can realize what's possible. I can push beyond what I thought. How do you almost force that into your mindset? Like, would you, for instance, like, oh, look at Oprah and go, oh, shit, that's what a freaking host can be, right? And now it's amazing because I've looked for someone that may be doing something that I'm doing and saying what's possible. Do you guys do that? I think for me, it's that's too that's too much. Like, oh. it's too overwhelming for me. That's, like, intimidating. Really? I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even go there. And I, I just want to, you know, from everything that Natalie and I have said today, we're not special people. We're not, you know, geniuses. We're not, uh, like... You know, we're, we're just normal people. We didn't come, we didn't give, be born with silver spoons in our mouth, anything like that. So I have pushed through so many freaking upper limits, whether it being like, okay, I was at university, I just wanted a first job. And I remember I was like, all I want to earn is 12,000 pounds a year, which was like, what, $15,000, $17,000? That was all, I was like, okay, I just want to earn this. I got to that, then it was like, okay, what do I want to get to now? And so, you know, if you told me right from then at university, oh yeah, and I dream of moving to LA and having a multi-million dollar business, I'd be like, no, that's too intimidating, that's too much, like you're off your absolute rocker, I would never be able to do that. But, you know, seeing those steps over time, did I have a dream that one day I would have a location-free business? Yes. Did I have a dream that I would have you know, financial freedom that didn't mean I was like flying in private jets or on yachts or anything like that. Financial freedom meant to me being able to go on multiple holidays a year if I wanted to, if I was to have kids, put them through like private schools, being able to buy the odd nice handbag. Like those were my dreams. And I think it's like, don't be in, it's good to expose yourself and know what's possible and like push those things and each one like go okay I've, I've got this now like what's a little bit more what's the next edge I can go mm -hmm. through which is why this whole you know right from the beginning we're like always working we're always pushing through the next thing because you're do always you, growing. Do you find that as well the big picture to be overwhelming? Yeah I think if you're trying to stretch an upper limit, I think you have to be able to relate to something in someone. Mm. And so if you're talking about 100k launch and someone tells you I did a 500k launch but you have maybe a hundred followers and they have 10 million. Mm. You're like, well, I see where you're at compared to me. So I don't think I'm there yet. It doesn't make sense. Whereas if you find someone that you can relate to in some way, oh, I'm mm. actually really good at that too. Or, oh, we have that really similar. That similarity thread that you can find, that can help you really stretch your upper limit in a way that logically makes sense. So your emotions are like, yes, I want it. And then logically you're like, oh, that's actually quite possible. I think that's important. And so um, when I'm doing it, I'm seeking out podcasts or books from people that I really look up to and I'm inspired by. And I see something in them that I see in myself too. Mm. Maybe it's their drive. Maybe it's their, their childhood where they began. Something that helps me get on their level really, really helps me. I'm the complete opposite. You want to talk about a freaking pet peeve is when some, someone says to me, oh, put the bar low and it, you know, over, oh, exceed yeah. all expectation. I'm like, 
don't ever say that. I literally was like, don't ever say that to me. <sighs> I was like, you freaking put the heart, the bar audaciously high. Yeah. And then you freaking crush that. Like that gives me the drop. Like even my enthusiasm, you can tell my yeah. voice yeah. has gone up. Like I do that deliberately. I yeah. do that so that I don't look at other people who have done great things and tell myself it's not possible. I go, oh my God, if she can do it, right? If like, if they can do it after everything they've been through, after everything they've come through, you telling me I can't do it, right? Like yeah. that's kind of like the language that works for me. But the truth is, I don't even know if I'm gonna get there or not, but I have to believe so. Like yeah. that's the only thing that matters to me. Yeah. So it's like, I'll happily spend my, the rest of my life being driven towards something that freaking audacious. And the reason being is that I can then tell myself if I fail, well, it's okay, Lisa, you've still got this whole journey to go on. Yeah. So are you really going to let this one failure get in your way? Um, so it really is like, over time using the way that I can think to motivate myself to keep going. Yeah. And so it's not that I'm just like, oh, well, if I don't hit it, I'm then gonna feel badly about myself. I'm now not gonna be able to get up. It's like, the truth is I don't actually know if I'm ever gonna get there. But that's why it's so big. That's why it's so grand because it almost gives me a lifelong journey mm. to go to. But I 100% agree, you need those pillars along the way because I need yeah. to feel good about myself. So I can't just keep telling myself, but you're not there yet, you're not there yet. That will. And you've got a North Star that you yes. can make yeah. decisions off of, yes. which I think is really important. It, it's very clear, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this because this is exactly where I'm going. Yes. And I allow myself, like, the moments that I have the lack of confidence or that I don't feel like I'm good enough, I use that as the motivator to be like, but you've got to get here. How can you get here? Instead of getting yeah. into my own head about you're not good enough, you can't do it, focus on the goal, focus on the steps, focus yeah. on the strategy, focus on like the things that I like to call binary or non-binary. So it's like, if I want to get here, I need to send a hundred emails. But did I freaking send a hundred emails, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how you feel today, Lisa. It doesn't matter if you think you're good enough today or you've got imposter syndrome going back to where we started. It's like, no, no, make something binary. Did you send those hundred emails? Yes or no. And it just allows me again to get past the emotion that I know can freaking keep me back where I was when I was 15, which is not feeling good about myself. I love that so much. And it's so true. We often know exactly what we need to do. It's just that none, that, that, did I do it? Yes or no? Yeah. It's that simple. Guys, I can freaking talk to you forever. Like, no joke. You guys are so amazing. What you guys have built together, individually, who you are as humans. I know you as friends. I'm so, like, honored to call you my friends. Where can people follow you, all the amazing things you guys are doing with your brand, as society, and everything like that? So um, they can see all about the society on membership, bossbabe.com forward slash membership. Find us on Instagram at bossbabe.inc, at I am Natalie. And at Danielle County. Boom. <laughs> Guys, go check them out. If you're not subscribed, click that subscribe button. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.